Starting this Tuesday, the feast day of Saints Thomas More and John Fisher, the United States bishops have asked us to spend eight days praying for religious liberty in our country. So, let's talk about religious liberty. Fact number one. Nothing is more important than the gospel. By the gospel, I mean the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ, that Jesus conquered sin and death by suffering on the cross and rising from the dead, and that Jesus invites us into his victory through baptism and the sacramental life. The story of the infinite love of God and his invitation to salvation is the hidden treasure the pearl of great price, the light that illuminates every darkness. The gospel is the center point of history and all of creation. Next to the gospel, nothing else matters. Not friends, not family, not career, not leisure. Nothing. These things either flow from the gospel or they become vain and toxic. Human life is truly shallow and meaningless without the gospel. Once a person accepts the gospel and places it at the center of her life, everything about her life changes and nothing can return to the way it was. Receiving the gospel, of course, demands a response, a personal acceptance that leads to a personal witness. One cannot believe and receive the gospel without then pouring oneself out entirely in love of God and love of neighbor. Holiness of life is necessary. The corporal and spiritual works of mercy are necessary. If the gospel does not change our lives, then we have not truly received the gospel. Of course, there are plenty of people who claim to act out of gospel values, even as they act in contradiction to the teachings of the church, but such a thing is impossible. Jesus entrusted the task of preaching the gospel to his apostles, and those baptized believers in union with the apostles. Not to individuals, but to his entire body, the church. If anyone ever preaches a gospel that does not accord with the magisterium of the church, such a person is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The pearl of great price they are selling is made out of plastic. Fact number two, we do not need anyone's permission to preach the gospel. As I said, when we receive and believe the gospel, it changes our lives, and we immediately feel compelled to act in response. This is a function of our faith and a function of our baptism not a function of some authority, civil or ecclesiastical, telling us what we must or must not do. 
As Christians, the gospel is everything to us. It wells up inside of us like living water. And like living water, it cannot be contained. It bursts any dam placed in its way, spills over any breakwater. Asking a Christian to stop preaching the gospel in word and in deed is worse than sending us to our death. Because a life without the gospel is a horrible living death. We do not need anyone's permission to preach the gospel, just as we do not need anyone's permission to breathe. God himself gave us the breath in our lungs, and Jesus himself gave us the command to use that breath to preach the gospel to all nations. We will die if we stop doing either. Fact number three. The government is meaningless in the life of a Christian. If the gospel is the center point of history and the only thing that truly matters in our lives, and it is, and if preaching the gospel is essential to who we are as Christians, regardless of circumstances or consequences, and it is, then where does the government fit into all of this? It doesn't. The government is utterly meaningless to our lives. We Christians will preach and live the gospel regardless of who is in power or what that power thinks about us. The Romans crucified us. The early medievals celebrated us. But the gospel was preached, in both cases, all the same. In fact, the burden of action is never on the Christian, but on the rest of society. The fact is that the gospel will always be preached, in season and out of season, by the followers of Jesus. It is part of who we are. We will die if we stop. A society and a government confronted with the gospel in word and deed must make a choice to accept it or reject it. Neutrality in the face of the gospel is never an option. But the Christian has already made her choice. It is the rest of society that has the burden to respond. Sometimes, a government recognizes the gospel as a good, protects Christianity, and begins to enshrine Christian moral values in law. Sometimes, a government rejects Christianity and begins to oppose its values and persecute its adherents. I can say we certainly prefer the former response. It's nice to get a Supreme Court victory, or to see Congress agree with our Catholic bishops. It's nice to have the resources of the government promoting the corporal and spiritual works of mercy rather than persecuting Christians. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. We Christians will preach the gospel either way. 
The efficacy of the gospel is not measured by what is written in a society's laws. It's measured by how many citizens of that society have accepted salvation in Jesus Christ. Fact number four. Generally, evangelization favors cooperation. Given that the government is meaningless in the life of a Christian, it is still better for us to cooperate with the government than to oppose it. For those who do not know Christ, government and politics is often how they express their care for one another and society. We express our care by living the gospel. Those who don't have the gospel use the government. If our default approach to government is opposition, our fellow citizens will think our default approach to them is opposition, and they will reject us when we try to preach the gospel. Only when the government mandates sin or impedes our preaching in word or deed should we ever act in opposition to it. And our opposition looks like preaching the gospel, which we were already doing anyway. We'll just keep preaching it, even if they tell us not to. In addition to this, the gospel is infinitely more important than politics. The more time we spend obsessing about government, the less time we spend bringing actual salvation to people lost in darkness. Again, unless it is a matter of sin or an impediment to our preaching, it is much better for us to go with the flow of the laws of a society so that we can spend our emotional and intellectual energies on something infinitely more important, which is preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. This was and is particularly true of COVID and why I got so mad about all of the hate directed at the government. Because the government doesn't matter. Jay Inslee doesn't matter. These are incredibly unimportant entities and people and things. Only Jesus Christ matters. So we have to ask ourselves, did we spend more time in the last 16 months arguing about the teachings of the governor or the teachings of the Lord? Did the things we fought about justify every soul that was lost because they did not hear the saving message of Jesus Christ? Fact number five. Religious liberty is an act of charity. If the government doesn't matter in the life of a Christian, then what is the point of religious liberty? Why fight for it or pray about it if we are just going to preach the gospel anyway, whether they applaud us or send us to the Colosseum? Four reasons. First, Lack of governmental opposition gives us a lot more options in how to preach the gospel 
in word and deed. It is easier to proclaim the word, celebrate the sacraments, and serve our neighbor from a beautiful, visible church in downtown Bellingham than it is from the underground. Second, it is a damnable offense to place oneself in opposition to the gospel. So we have an obligation in charity to warn our politicians against such a course of action, lest they remain ignorant to the danger they face. This is the act of charity that St. Justin Martyr performed for the Emperor Antonius Pius. But you can tell by Justin's name that was in vain. Third, not every Christian is ready to be a confessor or a martyr. In the face of opposition or death, many people will abandon the gospel. For the sake of those whose faith is weak, myself included, it is better to fight for religious liberty now than to tempt us to face than to face the temptation to apostatize later. Finally, and by far most importantly, the greatest good for our fellow citizens, the greatest thing that can ever happen to them, is for them to hear the message of the gospel. And so it is out of love for them that we have to fight against any restriction on our ability to preach the saving message of Jesus Christ.